Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both somehow absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. My guest today is Brian Cantrell. He is the CTO of Oxide, and uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, Oxide is definitely hiring, so keep that in mind, because what we are going to be talking about today with Brian is a really interesting approach to hiring that is a bunch of things about this that are quite different and very well thought out. And uh, I want to hear about how he came to decide this. So, Oh, hi, no. Yeah. You're <laughs> asking me that's a great opener. It yeah. does, it, that's a great opener, but it does take me to uh, – yeah, I would love to tell you <laughs> that um, I, I, I sat in a room and, and thought high thoughts. And mm. this, this hiring process, which we'll describe in some detail – is what came out. But that is not what happened at all, unfortunately. Um, I was engaged in a, what I would say was a pretty typical hiring process for many years. So I was I, the, uh, prior to co-founding Oxide, um, I was at a cloud computing company uh, for nine years where I was the, the CTO for that VP of engineering. Um, and then before that, I was at a computer company, Sun Microsystems, for 14 years. So I had done a decent amount of hiring. I'd done, I had built the team at Sun, but then especially um, at a joint, I had done a lot of hiring. Um, and I, I, um, I made the worst hire of all time. Uh, I, I made a very, very, very bad hire. And I love, you know, whenever you get like, uh, you know, you get folks who have done some hiring together and they're like, well, actually, I feel I've made the worst hire of all time. And I'm like, okay. What maybe, uh, so mine involves a criminal record and an assumed name. So oh. uh, uh, yeah, if you don't have violent felonies in the history, I'm not, I'm not telling you well, that you're hired work in my hire. I'm just saying that like, we're like this, is, we're, we're playing pro ball here. So like, you're going to have to bring your A game. If you want, if your hire is worse than my hire, I really want to hear that story because my hire was pretty bad. And, um, it was bad. Um, and I, um, you know, I think that actually it was funny because we're, we're, you know, we're kind of in polite society over here. Like I, we, we're just not used to like truly deeply pathological people, criminally pathological people we don't deal with. I don't deal with on a regular basis. And uh, in the throes of dealing with this uh, worst hire of all time, I uh, talked to a, a friend of mine who is a psychiatrist for the California prison system. And uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, this is, the, this is like part of the course for me. This is like what you're describing is probably a third of the people that I deal with at Pelican Bay, which is to say a sociopath. So fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was great. Um, and it, all of that was so and we, you know, got that person out. Um, Good. I learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, if if anyone presents to you under an assumed name and you later discover that they have a violent criminal record that makes them ineligible to work for you, and you would like my advice on on how to uh, to uh, affect that transition, um, let me give you a little. Actually, can I give a, a, a total winning piece of advice that I hope to never have to use again in my career? I would love to hear this. Okay, so if you ever have someone, and I and may your career be long and you never have this problem, if you ever have someone where you're like, I need this person out of this office this second, 
Like, and I, I don't have time to get any ducks in a row. I don't have time. Like I need to preserve the safety of my staff and then we can kind of figure things out. Suspend with pay. So you can suspend someone with pay for any reason at any time. And if you suspend with pay, you are pulling them off of all the HR systems. You are locking them out of the building. You are disabling their email. You are going through your termination process, but because they are going to remain paid, that you are within in every state. In fact, I mean, obviously, this is not legal advice. Although I, get <laughs> I am not a lawyer. No, that's just fine. I'm not a lawyer. It's a, really, it's a really good tip, though. This is it's a good tip, and and this it, it's a it's a very good tip. Um, and I mean, obviously, talk to a lawyer during the situation, but. As an employer, you have extremely broad latitude to suspend people with pay. Sure. Um, and again, they could suspend it, me with pay anytime they want. Anytime they want. <laughs> and, so, and then you've got all the time in the world like, okay, now like we have effectively terminated this person, even though they still work here, but they can't communicate with the company and so on. Now we have got the number of days, weeks, whatever we need to actually get everything in order and make sure that we're abiding by all of our regulatory compliance or what have you mm-hmm. um, to make sure that this uh, person is being transitioned. And I, so. and I very much like the, the the prioritization of the safety of, of others in that particular mm. one. Um, that is much appreciated, uh, yep. I'm sure. Yeah, about uh, that. Let's yeah. just say that that was not like a me, that was not a profile and courage for me. I mean, that was like, a, it, w- it was very clear. And in fact, it, I mean, quite the opposite. It was after this person was out, it was a getting the team together. And it, w- it wasn't just this person. There was a, there, there was a larger, because as it turns out, there was kind of a larger coterie of folks that were aware of this. And were, I mean, it was, it was bad. And we got kind of managed through all that as a team. And, but we had this moment of everything that we have done about hiring is wrong. Everything is broken. Hmm. That must be quite a postmortem on the the whole. It was was a hell of a (laughs) postmortem. It it was a hell of a postmortem. Actually, I mean, it was very, and I did it very, um, I mean, I wanted to do it very deliberately. The team was traumatized. We really needed to get everyone together. It was very cathartic. And, and we really wanted to go through what do we, like, where did we go wrong? Mm-hmm. And we concluded that we had gone wrong in many, 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 many places. And so there were a bunch of things that we learned. Um, and, the, you know, one of the ways in which, one of the big ways in which we'd gone wrong is this was a person and the other folks that were kind of part of this coterie were people who were very good in a conversation mm-hmm. so they could win a conversation and there are like there are things you can do to win a conversation there are things that you can do to dominate a conversation there are things that you can do to keep the subject matter on a subject matter with which you got great acquaintance i mean th- th- there are tricks that you can pull to be very, uh, and you can even be like politely and jovially dominant in a conversation, right? I, I may have been accused of this in my life, which would not be an unreasonable. Look, you know, I relate. I relate. Let's just say that. We'll just well, leave like, it we'll this way. Like, I, I definitely relate because I, I interview very well. Like, I could interview for, you know, kind of an arbitrary job and probably do pretty well at it. Because I'm a good conversationalist, but it doesn't mean I'm good at the job. And the and the, what we kind of realized was the the and I you know I had known this. I think we all know this. 
that your ability to perform well in a conversation or well in an oral exam does not actually correlate to the work at hand. No, and, not at all. And what you, what you actually want to be doing is evaluating people on their fitness for the work at hand. Yeah. And the way to do that is not an interview. It's just not. That's a great a, point because interviews do very much tell you how they do in an interview. And you're right, they're, they're not correlated. I've always said there's like, there's the skill of getting jobs and there's the skill of doing jobs. And sometimes right. those show up in the same person, but not negatively or positively correlated in any way. That's I think you're exactly right. And I have had, and I mean, again, this was like, I knew this at some level. And as a result, like one thing, I mean, I had never done the kind of leap coding whiteboard exams. I had never done that because I knew that I just knew too many people that would be that were introverted or nervous mm -hmm. or uh, th that were terrific engineers, right? That don't necessarily interview all that well. So I'd, I'd never done that. But the reality was we were still dependent upon the interview, the, the, the interview, the conversation. And and then like the kind of the Rolodex, the the network. You're like, oh, who's worked with this person? Oh, this person's worked with that person. That person's worked with this person. This person's worked with this person. And you're kind of like going through this web. And the problem is, and this is what happened to us, if in that web that you're navigating, you, you leap a kind of a chasm into a bad person, you can bring in an entire bad person's network, which is more or less what had happened to us. Ooh, oh, that's a that. great point. Oh, yeah. yeah. So huh. um, we changed everything with the way we did hiring and we uh, and designed a hiring process that is in 19 different ways designed to not mishire. And in particular, it is very, as you've seen, it is very writing intensive. And it's uh, our process happens before any conversations with the team. So we are, and, and we are going to ask you a bunch of very direct questions. I want to ask you work-related questions. So, and we've polished this a lot at Oxide. So I, I, this is, this kind of, that was the genesis of it, but we've, we've enhanced it a bunch at Oxide. Um, so really basic questions. So we want to ask you, um, the, well, first of all, we want to ask you portfolio-based questions. So I want you to talk about work that you've done that you're proud of and walk me through it, whatever it is. And if it's on GitHub, that's great. If it's in the public domain, that's great. If it's not, if it's proprietary, describe it for me and describe it in technical detail. I want to get an analysis sample. I want you to describe a problem that you've solved that required, you know, for a designer, for this is one of those questions, the portfolio based questions will vary based on role, right? So, but for an engineer, I really want to know about a problem that, that required your analytical ability. I want you to walk me through it. And the, the I, I want you to know, have you given any presentations? If you have, point to them so I can watch them. Um, plenty of engineers have never given a presentation. That's fine. Plenty of engineers have given presentations that are like, oh my God, I'm mortified. Like I was terrified of doing this. I don't like this. I don't like the way I sound. That's fine too. Um, but then there are, there are other folks that like, I, I want to actually, uh, I want to hear their voice. I, I want to hear the way they carry themselves. And, I, and I, we're going to take this kind of totality of work as a, as a portfolio, and that that portfolio is is important. Then the this other dimension is extraordinarily important to me, which is a art questionnaire, which is much more values based. So we're very uh, we're very explicit about our values at Oxide, about our principles and our values. Um, we differentiate clearly between principles are the things never to be violated in a company: um, honesty, integrity, decency. The, these are the things that, that we must always abide by, even if we really disagree with one another. 
Uh, values are much more intention. So we have got we've got 15 values at Oxide. Um, they've they, they got the go into that if you if we're interested in terms of like how we, how we came up with that number, why it's so important to us. But we uh, ask and we ask people to to memorize the values. So courage, candor, curiosity, diversity, empathy, humor, optimism, resilience, responsibility, rigor, teamwork, thriftiness, transparency, urgency, and versatility. Those are the values. Right. There you go. So we, I, I, I would, I would ask you, but I have, I have not memorized them yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we can talk about that in detail, but the, uh, but I, I, I lead the kids scout troop. So I know that everyone's capable of memorizing that kind of a list. So the, this is the, we, we learn from scouts, but the, um, those values are a lens for, a, for everything we do at Oxide and the way we kind of carry ourselves. So we ask them, we ask folks, what have you been proud of in your career and why? Um, we ask folks to, when have you been happiest in your career and why? When have you been unhappiest in your career and why? It is amazing how much you get from a written answer to that question of when have you been unhappiest in your, in your career and why? And what I'm dying to do, which we can't do, is to stress test this against the, the, the worst hire of all time. Mm. Because my belief is that that person's answer to when they were unhappiest and why would have in fact revealed that they were not fit to work. Do you do you think that's true? Do you or I mean it's because it's interesting. Nobody's going to come right out and say like, "Well, I'm happiest at work when I'm crushing my enemies." I mean, oh, I might. Oh, like, oh, 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 oh contraire! Oh, oh contraire! Oh, all right. Oh, 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 they, oh, they do absolutely. <laughs> really? Yes. Even after reading the like compassion mm-hmm. and the yep, yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I my my happiest is when I win arguments. Uh, and the, the, the one that is particularly telling is I'm unhappiest. Like I'm unhappiest when I'm surrounded by idiots. You know, it, 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 you kind of get this. There's yeah. a grandiosity that will reveal yeah. itself. It, if you have someone who's not reflective, who has these kind of manic, like you can see it. Um, we ask people to describe an oxide value that has been particularly exhibited in their career and how and why. We ask people about an oxide value that's particularly violated in their career and how they dealt with it. Then we ask people, this is one we kind of threw on at the last second that's been very fascinating. We ask people to take two oxide values and describe when they came into tension for them and how they resolved it. Um, and that's really interesting. Um, I would say that most people, it, it's not uncommon and we definitely encourage it because these are values that come into tension all the time for us at oxide. Rigor and urgency often come into tension. Yeah, where, right. They come, and I think that that's true regardless of whatever domain you're in. I think that that rigor and urgency just come in the tension a lot. Um, and we, we, I think it's great when people are explicit about it because then we can kind of navigate it together. Uh, and then the, the uh, I would say honestly, the single most important question we ask that's also super basic: Why do you want to work for Oxide? And the um, those written answers comprise what we call the materials. And we put all of our effort into, or much of our effort into the thoughtful review of those materials. People put a lot of time making these materials. We want to make sure we put a lot of time in reviewing those materials. And that has been uh, extraordinary for us because we've been able to find people that you would not have found otherwise. I'm gonna, I, I, I know because I, you know, you look at a resume, the number of times, because you got the resume too, right? So the number of times, and I always look at the resume first because maybe it's because I, that's what I've done for my whole career. It's not a habit, whatever. But the number of times that I look at the resume and I'm like, ooh, this resume looks amazing. 
And then you go to the materials and you're like, wah, 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 wah. the materials are just not good. Yeah. And conversely, the number of times I've looked at a resume and I've been like, I don't know, this resume, it's kind of like, I don't know, this experience does not really seem to be very apropos. And then you go into the materials and the materials are like moving where you got like, wow, this person, like I, I, what depth of character and like, we've got to talk to this person. So, um, it's been extraordinary. Um, that has been extraordinary. Uh, we put a twist on it that we have not talked about too much publicly, but is a wild, wild twist. So, uh, the, the way we evaluate candidates is primarily through these materials. When we're bringing people in for conversations, we're already like pretty sure there's a fit because we've had a lot of people review those materials and come to the conclusion that yes, there's a fit here. We have also then taken the additional step of calling candidates and we, uh, we're a very transparent company. So all of our engineering documentation is in a repo. It's all private, but it's in a repo. And we open that up for candidates before they come in for conversations so they can see exactly what we're doing. Because the number of times, and I'm sure you've had this happen in your career too, where you, you, you know, this has definitely happened to me where you're interviewing for a job and it's like, wow, this place sounds amazing. And then like, okay, I, you take the job and you start and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is a chicken coop. Like I, wait a minute, where's this castle that I was promised in my interview? Like, oh no, no, no. Like you build that. Like, oh, I, oh, okay. Oh, that was was aspirational. Yeah, I didn't get that part. It was aspirational. Okay. So actually, I, and I actually did have a boss once who I had called him out on, on exactly one of these things where he had just more or less lied to the board. And I'm like, uh, so that thing you described as having been built, like that's, that's not been built. Like, you know that. He said, Brian, in classical Greek, there oh, is something. No. Oh, st- no. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely no. not. Nope. Going to stop no. you right there. No. No. In, in classical Greek, I, I will not be stopped. In, in classical Greek, there is something called the optative voice. And the optative voice is where you refer to something in the future as if it were true today. We and I'm like lying in English. Right. I, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, actually, it, sorry, in English, with its inadequacies and not actually having a voice dedicated for this condition, we just call it lying. We just call that's just lying. That's, just that's lying. sorry. Just sorry lying. to step on your punchline there, but oh my <laughs> so, god! Yes. No, no, I'm saying no, 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 no. I have to say it's just lying. So yes, so there you go. So the uh. In, in, in any case, we um, uh, where do we, how do I get to the optimal voice? Where are we here? I, I, I need to find my way back. Um, so we I, we wanted to be sure that when when folks are coming in for a conversation, they have seen the company warts and all. I want people to know everything that we're embarrassed about, that we wish were better, that is not as good as we want it to be. Because I don't want people to come in and be like, "Wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for." One thing that's extremely important to me as a leader in an organization is the intrinsic motivation of the people that work at Oxide. You've got to have deep intrinsic motivation. That is, in my experience, that is the most important factor around success or failure is intrinsic motivation. And when it's present, you can make up for all sorts of deficiencies in one's background or experience if it's... And and succeed. And if it's not present, you can have an unbelievable experience and background and still not succeed in a, in a gig because you just don't want to that much. 
Often, often one of the things I've seen is that if you are extrinsically motivated and what you really care about is promotion and more money, you optimize for that. So in those cases, their resumes may look even better. Absolutely. The people who are intrinsically motivated who are just like, I like learning interesting things with smart people and making stuff that matters. Like those people's resumes look often bizarre. (laughs) That's exactly right. And that's why the, and the materials really help us suss that out. Then this extra step of them understanding the company helps them suss that out. So once we're in the conversations, it's like, look, we know you from the materials. You know us because you've been in the documentation. We're now having a true conversation about, is this what you want to do next or what we want to do next? So when we were hiring one of our first employees, um, one of the things that we did when, when we started the company, and as I made clear to this very early employee, this would have been maybe like the seventh or eighth employee, was telling him that, like, look, as we were pulling this company together and getting seed financing, we raised a lot of money and, and kind of pulling together a bunch of folks quickly that hadn't necessarily worked with one another, we did this to allow people to introduce themselves to one another. So the entire company, including the co-founders, have done this, have done these materials. And he's like, wait a minute, you all have done this? I'm like, yeah, 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 we've all done this. It's like, you all have done the exact same thing that, that I'm doing as part of this. Like, yes, we have. It's like, okay, can I read yours? And I'm like, oh, hot damn, that's a good idea. That's a great question. That's a great, I'm like, just a moment. I'm like, I need to check with the team. But I'm like, if we can establish this as the way we do things now. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So this is what we do. So when you come in for conversations, we've gotten to know you. You now get to know us. You get the materials of the people that you are speaking to in advance of speaking to them. You get to learn when I was unhappiest in my career and when I was happiest in my career and when values came into tension for me and values that have been exhibited in my career. And you do that for every member of the team. And the quality of conversation we have is just next level. I mean, it's like you get to a depth in the conversation that you simply don't get to Mm -hmm. uh, when people are kind of – I kind of feel like you know we're at the finish line and people who have these traditional interview processes – are like, how are you possibly, I mean, you're getting lucky basically when you're hiring people that work because the process that you're taking is not a process. It's just like, we're going to come in and kind of see how you smell. That's what an interview process is. And it's, that is, uh, I mean, as a result, you know, I I think the the proof is in the pudding. Um, We have, uh, we got a team that is a deeply, deeply, deeply dedicated team. We've got a team that shares values. We've got a team that, uh, and I, the other thing I love about it is it's a team that shares values, but it's a super diverse team in in all these different axes, coming from different parts of the country and different backgrounds and different companies and so on. And what has brought them together are, are these these shared values. And a, the the process is a huge, huge, huge part of that. And I know that like there's plenty of oxide that's idiosyncratic. Also, is now the time to mention that we pay everyone the same? I'm not sure if now is the time. (laughs) I feel like we could do a whole thing on that. But yes, that was fascinating that like literally everybody has the same salary. Everyone has the same salary, uh, which has been um, enormously important. That has been the, that was not, uh, that was kind of something we were doing at the outset just because it seemed to make sense based on the team we were bringing in. And then as we got... Okay. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's interesting. Like it does make sense in a certain way, but it is absolutely not obvious, right? It is, it is very much, it is, it is not something that most people do. It's not like, oh, we're just going to go with like best practices. It's, eh, we're going to try this entirely different thing. 
a radically different thing. And the, and you know, it was funny because as we got deeper and, and so we, we were doing that from the beginning and I, the, that was a reflection of several points of principle. I was not going to pay people differently based on their geography. That's a point of principle for me. Um, I'm just not going to, because I don't believe in paying people based on their cost of living. Um, I agree. Because I, agree. Yeah. I mean, it's like, agree like, like, like when somebody is like, come like inherits money from a deceased grandparent, do we slash their salary? Be like, Hey, congratulations on your inheritance. Sorry to hear about your grandparent. Uh, we're cutting <laughs> your salary because you, you know, it's like, what? No, of course not. It's like, we, we pay people based on their work. And so that, I, that was a point of principle for me. Um, and we knew we were going to have a local remote team. We started before, before COVID, before the pandemic, we knew we were going to have a local and remote team. So kind of like, it was a sensible thing to go do. And then it just like, wasn't a sensible thing to change mm-hmm. and kind of fast forward a year and change and kind of talking to the team about, Hey, how do we like, you know, how do we find a broader cross section of folks? And something, and my view had been that like, look, salary is kind of private. I, I just grew up in a, you know, I don't know. I just felt like your salary was private was, was kind of the way we don't, we don't talk about money. Um, and so I wasn't going to really talk about it publicly, but as we were talking about how to get a, a more diverse cross section of folks, one of the ideas that one of the team members had is like, you know, I think we need to talk about the compensation because when I talk about the values that we have at Oxide, my friends think it's bullshit. And I try to convince them like, no, no, like it's, it's, it's like deeply felt. And I'm kind of, I kind of have an argument with them until I mention the compensation. And then when I say like, oh, by the way, we're all paid the same. They're like, wait a minute, what? It's like, okay, maybe it's not bullshit. Like, sorry, what are you doing again? And so I was like, okay, well we could, I could like write a blog entry about this. Should I do that? And it was amazing because one of the nice things actually post pandemic is your ability to have like a gallery view of, you can look kind of 20 people in the eye in a way that you actually can't in a conference room. And the body language from those folks, which is all just like, yes, please, please write about this. I'm like, Okay, so we uh, wrote a blog entry thanks to my my working together with my colleagues to talk about why we'd done what we had done, and um, the, and we're very explicit about that. Like, look, this is not like we're not saying we're doing this for the end of time. It's not necessarily a point of principle per se, but boy, is it working out well for us. And here's why we've done it. And I definitely believe in transparent compensation. Like, no question, even a future oxide. That I mean, one thing I have completely changed my point of view on is transparent compensation. As I mentioned, I used to think compensation was private. I now believe very strongly that compensation should be transparent. Not surprisingly, as you might imagine, because at some point early on in Oxide, people were talking about all of the, the pay cuts that they took to come to Oxide. Now, we pay at Oxide, we pay 185K a year. It was 175 when we started the company. And uh, so we're making 175k a year, and everyone's saying, "Yeah, I took a really serious pay cut to come to Oxide." And someone said, "Well, actually, I didn't take a pay cut. I actually got a pay increase." Someone else said, "I actually got a pay increase too," and a third person said, "I actually, I also took a pay increase." And I'll bet I know. I'll bet I know who those people were. Oh, you know who those people were. Uh huh. And it was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I mean, it was a true like eye-opening moment. I'm mm-hmm. like. Are you fucking kidding me that some of the most competent people I have ever worked with in my entire career have been grossly underpaid because in this case, as you can imagine, because of their gender? Yep. Like what? 
Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, thanks. Got religion on that one. Transparent <laughs> compensation. So like, really, really no. does help anybody from an underrepresented oh. community. And it, yeah, well, absolutely. I, it, it, yeah. And yeah. it just like, it, it, you just, everybody, and now at Oxide, it's still pretty straightforward because it's transparent and, and it's uniform right now. So we've, you know, we, we have more than doubled the company and retained that uniformity. And honestly, I don't see it changing anytime soon because when we, I mean, again, it may change in the limit and what changes will be transparent mm-hmm. about it. But the thing that's been interesting, people are like, oh, well, you can't make it work for sales. Or you can't make it work for support. Or you can't make it work for lab techs. I'm like, okay, out of curiosity. So let's talk about support. Um, everyone who's been in, in my line of work has worked with some support engineer who's just like unbelievably good. So much better than other folks they've worked with. Is that person worth the same salary that you make? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That person's worth the same. Sometimes, okay. sometimes more. <laughs> sometimes more. <laughs> okay. So maybe we will just find the absolute best folks in these grossly underpaid domains, which are incredibly important, but have been underpaid for not good reason. They've been underpaid mm-hmm. because people feel that they can underpay. So this is, I mean, in, in, when the history of the company is writ, that blog entry is part of really what set our, uh, everything about the company nonlinear because it attracted a whole new set of folks to the company, not because of the compensation per se, but because of what the compensation reflected. Um, right. And again, I know that that's not a fit for for lots of companies, maybe, um, and and I know that like, there's plenty of what we're doing that makes no sense or or doesn't travel very well to other companies. I do feel very, very strongly about having a hiring process, though, that that puts more on the candidate in advance. And they're like, well, people say like, well, I don't want to put like, why should a candidate do like eight hours of work for the job? It's like, hey, the candidate is going to do eight hours of work when they come in an interview. Like, sorry, they're, they're, they're going to come in an interview. So why not move more of that? ahead of time and allow you to get a better idea of who these people actually are. And one of the things we've heard over and over and over again from candidates, even ones we've passed on, is this process was really helpful for me. This process, I've heard from people, actually, one of the things I have heard more than once is doing the Oxide process made me realize that I didn't want to work for Oxide. Oh, yeah. I was actually thinking that. Like that, it's very, you definitely self-select for certain Absolutely self-select. Yeah. And and one of the things you self-select for is like, I don't think I'm that into this. Like I thought I was because, you know, I especially like now, this is not true when I came up, but now there are people who study computer science because their parents wanted them to study computer science. Like this was not something that like no. nobody in my generation was studying computer science when I was I mean, nobody because their parents wanted them to. I mean, Probably like a few people whose like parents were like big in the semiconductor industry, but like really when I got my first computer in the eighties, like it, it was I was the first one in the family to know how to use it. I had to teach them how to use it. Absolutely, and I think that like for my generation, it was more like computer science is like a thing you couldn't study that. Like that's like a like what you studying video games next? It's like that is it just didn't feel so nobody of my generation, everybody in my generation, I mean, almost without exception, if you were studying computer science in the 1980s, in the 1990s, it's because it was speaking to you at a deep level. Fast forward to the to 
2010, 2020, it's not necessarily true. You got mom and dad saying, hey, you know, computer science is where it's at. And we've had many more people, in part because we've had many more people in computer science, which is a great thing, but many more people who are like, actually, I'm not that into this. Even though mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got a computer science degree from a top institution. I went to work for a FANG for seven years. And now I'm realizing like, I'm not happy. And Oxide's <laughs> not going to make me happy. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, great. I- in the 90s, I went to night school and learned how to program in C, which I just want to mm. say, that shows some goddamn dedication. Absolutely. <laughs> that is not a thing people do for fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, you know what it wasn't? Fun. <laughs> right. Right? No, and I think, and, and that's, you know, it's, it speaks to character. And that's the thing that you, I mean, ultimately what people should be trying to assess in an interview process is character, and they don't. And then, and then they complain when the other thing I, oh my God, if I, I, I never want to hear in my life, we hire fast and fire fast uh, because it's like, no, that wrong. First of all, what you're saying is that you hire very poorly. Um, but I also have never seen fire quote unquote fire fast work. Um, and, and by the way, I don't think I'd want to work in an organization where it even was effective because it means you're constantly like offing people who make a mistake. And you've, you've brought somebody in, you've spent some time and resources and effort onboarding them, teaching them things, getting, and suddenly you have this person who you don't think is very good, who you are now, who now knows a whole bunch about your company, who you're just going to say like, no, no, thanks like that. Yeah. It's it's unfair to you. It's unfair to the the person who, you know, may have left another job to come to you. Like, I also think like whenever that's happening, like, Hey, who's figuring out like, how did the mishire get here? Because that's not their fault. Like yeah. they, they didn't hire themselves. So who hired them and who screwed that up? And like, it's, let's go take that apart. It's interesting because, you know, you mentioned that like a lot of the things that you're doing wouldn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily work for all companies, which I, I do agree with. I think that um, there are, there are some things that for, you know, larger companies or for different kinds of companies, like you would want to go with a different approach, which is totally reasonable. Um but I think the thing that you did that would work for all companies is what you just said, which is that like who is postmorteming bad Boy. choices? Yep. And I mean, and you can tell the again ex engineer for me, um, like who is postmorteming bad choices and saying, okay, what was systemically wrong? How do we fix that? And iterating and improve and at least improving your process to get it to the point where you're not just do, going through the same motions over and over and over and, you know, kind of getting lucky sometimes. Yes, that's yeah. right. And I think that like, and I also think that while postmortem is great, the only postmortem on a mishire I ever did was the worst hire of my life. And I, I, it was a postmortem that was done out of need and need for group catharsis. It's like, it's not because when you have a, someone that you're, that you're managing out of an organization, like the last thing people want to do is get in a room and talk about how this person got hired. Because for for a bunch of reasons, right? And they, um, so I think it's it's important to get hiring right at the outset. I do believe that get, that asking people to do things in writing and and ask these or answer these very basic. I love basic open ended questions mm-hmm. like "When have you been happiest and why?" is a super basic question, but it's a hard one. Uh, in fact, I, I actually had an engineer who I was I, I was encouraging to apply to Oxide, but I, obviously getting going on the materials. I was talking to him. He's like, oh, man, these materials are just killing me, man. This is like really tough. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what's so tough? Okay. I, 
I'm not trying to put anyone into excruciating pain. What's up? He's like, dude, some of these questions are crazy. Like, when have I been happiest and why? Like, oh my God. I, I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, that feels like one that, that, that feels like one you should be able to answer. But it's a hard question. It's a really it hard question. It is. And it's, yeah, it, it is. It really is. Especially since, you know, like it is still work, right? Like there's a reason they pay us to show up. And, um, you know, right. like you can be very happy in a situation and not have it be perfect. And like, there's can be lots of, but really examining the, okay, well, what were the things that made this thing so much better than this other thing is yes. I think, a useful exercise. I do have, I do have one question that I do, do want to ask. Um, is there any concern that by, uh, presenting it in written format that, you know, there is, you know, bias against people who just aren't great writers, or is that something that you just feel like being great writers is just important to us? And I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I, yeah. I think that it, it, it in that it does, I mean, it, it, because it is all written, it does bias mm-hmm. towards, sure. towards great writers for sure. Um, so part of the reason I actually, uh, but I think it, it reflects the fact that any hiring process is going to have bias, right? And yeah, it's like, I, I so, I'm a much better writer than talker. Um, so I'm and, like, and oh, so great, bias toward me, but yeah. So, I mean, I think the, 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 the way to phrase it is this, is that you are either going to be biased towards the written word, or you're going to be biased towards how one handles themselves in a conversation. Because that's what you're selecting for in a traditional interview process, is the that's ability to hold the conversation. So really, the, the idea that like, oh, I'm not selecting for a bias. It's like, nah, you are. So the, the question is, which, which is a closer analog to what the, how the work is actually done? And the, I feel that, so there are a couple of reasons that, that I've got a very strong bias towards writing. One is, I mean, just like in, in college, I loved take-home exams, right? Because mm-hmm. take-home exams were, they take the anxiety out of it, the time-based anxiety out of it. And it's like, you can do as well on this as you want to do because you get as much time and candidates get as much time to work on their materials as they want. And if they really, really, really want to work with work for Oxide, they can put a lot of time into it and and they can have other people review it, you know, give them feedback, improve the writing. You know, there's lots of ways to like improve it. If I bomb an interview I can't go to my friend who's a great interviewer and get their perspective and then come back and make the interview better. But yeah. if I write something down, I'm like, oh, God, this is like terrible. I'm going to give it to my spouse and have them read it. I'm going to give it to, you know, some, and I'm going to get their perspective on it. That's great. You know, it's like yeah. you want to encourage that kind of dedication to iteratively improving work. That to me is really important. If you are, an, I mean, one thing I'm definitely sensitive about, if you're in English as a second language speaker. This gives you an opportunity to review the grammar, yeah. right? You know, you got an opportunity. You got a grammar checker, one that you don't have in an interview. And I was like, actually wondering. I was like, does this bias against people who are English as a second language? And I think you're right. I think it actually may help because there's going to be some bias there in speaking as well. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think it, it definitely. Uh, certainly, I have I've had ESL folks. Mm-hmm. be very excited that they've got a written process. I mean, it's, it's really interesting actually to find the people who are really jazzed about our process and they are the people who have historically been, just my observation, the most underserved, the most, the, the, the folks who 
have and people, you know, sometimes they call it out explicitly in the material. Sometimes they call it out when, in, in conversation. But the ability, because what we all want at the end of the day is a fair shot. Yeah, and, the, and we want to be fairly. We know, and especially at Oxide, where we've got far more people applying to the company than we've got the ability to accommodate right now. Like, we can't accommodate everybody, but we're all grownups. People can hear that; they understand that. What they do want is like, I want to know that I put my best game out on the field. And you know, I was just talking to a candidate on, the other day who was like, who applied to Oxide as he called it a hail mary. He's like, I. Didn't think I had a shot, but I, it was speaking to me really deeply. I've never felt this way about a job before. And he poured his heart into the materials and it showed, you know, and it's like, and you've got someone who is someone who I personally would, I, we've got no overlap in social network. It's, it's not someone that I would work with and, but kindred spirits. And it was great to like have that come through in the materials, that heart, that character, that resilience come through uh, in, in the material. So I, it's, yes, you know, you're trading some one bias with some set of biases for another, but boy, I'll take the, the, the and also like the, uh, the other thing I would hasten to add just on that point is like, just remind me, how are we deciding who we interview again? It's like, oh, we're looking at the resume. Okay. I got yeah. it. Like we really want to talk about biases in a resume. I mean, so really, what we're asking about is like which of these has more biases: a resume or asking people questions about what they've done and what's important to them. And it's like, well, I you know kind of know. We also ask people for resumes, so I should say we, sure. we ask. People for <laughs> sure, but I mean, you're, it's balanced out for it. So if it does look a little you know weird or unusual or atypical, that there are reasons for that. And I think yes. that is that and is always also nice. that allows you to, to like yeah, actually, it allows you to explain some of those reasons. Like sometimes you know. I, you'll see a short stop and you wonder like, what's going on with the short stop? And it's amazing where people will explain like, hey, you know, I was in this company and they were bought or like it wasn't what it was advertised. I mean, it's like people will be very candid. It gives them an opportunity to be candid about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in their in their materials. You know, I had one person um, who had a six month gap on her resume and on it, she just wrote stone cold chilling. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. <laughs> right. Good. That yeah. is fantastic. Yes, I agree. And I applaud. I applaud that. Well, I I had someone else apply to Oxide who had taken a break and was very candid about it. Like I was not ready for Oxide eight months ago because I was trying to figure out what was next, what was important to me. I didn't know it was important to me. I just come out of this work environment that was terrible and I had been kind of spun around. I didn't know what was important to me and I needed some real time to figure out what was important to me. And I've decided that like, this is what's important to me. Um, And, you know, hearing that out of a candidate, it's like not only forget the gap being a red flag. The gap is now a tremendous asset. This is like, this is a person who has really kind of considered this and is here for all of the right reasons. Yeah. This is, so this is phenomenal. I could, I feel like I could talk to you about this for like six more hours and like, I shouldn't because I should be respectful (laughs) of your time. (laughs) But I I did have one last question, which is, um, do you do this? Is is it the same sort of hiring process and questions for all the different roles? I mean, I know that like obviously the GitHub, the GitHub, is going to be different if it's a designer or, you know. Totally. And so I think what we are trying to figure out is, is what exactly that means. So we are, I think the thing that we, uh, as you, so we didn't talk at all about what Oxide is doing, taking a very big, hard technical swing um, on a very ambitious mission. So we are the majority, vast majority of the company are engineers. So we definitely kind of, that's where it came up on. As we have made other hires, though, we've realized like, no, 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 wait a minute. This works 
it works for product, it works for operations, it works for sales, it works for design. What the thing that you've got to change is the portfolio. So the portfolio does change. And the so you got kind of the portfolio half and the questionnaire half. The questionnaire half is is effectively immutable. Like those questions we will be asking everyone for the life of oxide. The portfolio does change. The way we kind of come up with a portfolio, it's, it's, I think it's always fun when you're kind of coming up with a portfolio. We, uh, you either, if you've got someone in the company who, you know, my co-founder uh, came up through sales. So when it was time to do that first sales rack, he was really excited to write the portfolio questions. And he wrote some portfolio questions for sales. Which is, I mean, I think are extraordinary. Um, and they really get to the heart of, and if folks have worked with folks in sales, I mean, it's very easy to kind of, caricaturize those in sales, but there is a huge spectrum of quality in sales. And oh, I, yeah, absolutely. My co-founder, I, I, my co-founder is best of the best, um, which I have always known, but watching him develop these portfolio questions really gave me insight into what makes him so good. And hmm. asking about, you know, asking for detail about when you've understood a customer's need. I mean, it was it, really good questions. And that netted a terrific, ter you netted our first sales hire, who's been absolutely terrific. So when we go into a new domain, if we've got the domain expertise in-house, we will write the, the portfolio with them in mind. If we don't, we kind of think like, all right, who's the very best person that we know of in this domain? And we're not going to hire them. They, you know, they're, they're happy wherever they are. Um, but let's go talk. And by the way, this is a little... This is a little trick. I don't think it's dirty. I think it's very, very above board, but it is a bit of a trick. If you are uh, talking to someone who you want to hire but can't, yeah. is, <laughs> is very one. helpful. And also, by the way, you are also stress testing their existing relationship because yeah. they may be like, actually, you know, I said I was happy at Apple, but I mean, after having this conversation with you, I think I might be interested in Octa. The uh, – but uh, so it's very helpful to have those conversations. We use those conversations to help inform what the portfolio should be, and then work with that person who you know we know or whatever from like, hey, does this does this portfolio something that you would be excited to apply for? Where you would say like, hey, someone is finally asking me about my work, and that should be whatever you are in, it sales, support, operations, product, what have you, design. The portfolio-based questions should be questions that feel uplifting and exciting and should feel like, finally, someone is asking me about my work as opposed to how I smell. Um, and that, is, that, that should be exciting. Um, and, you know, so far, so good. But we, we, as we grow the company, as we tell folks here, like, we are an experiment, like all companies. And we are – it's going to be very interesting to see how I'm sure we will continue to evolve um, as we move forward, but there are certain absolutes. The questionnaire is definitely an absolute, um, and the, the we will also use the, and the idea of the portfolio, the, like the idea, which is yeah, which the is, the portfolio. I believe is, is an not, absolute. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's common outside of design and engineering, frankly. No, I, like, I don't think it's common. I don't yeah. think it's common outside of design. I think it's common uh, in design. It, I will tell you the two domains in which it's common are design and journalism. Ah, oh, journalism. Yeah, writing samples. So, yeah, any. Yeah, marketing sometimes too with writing samples. But, but, but yeah. yeah, yeah, marketing. Yeah, that'd be good. Actually, that'd be interesting to know. Mm -hmm. uh, that'd be that's a good marketing. I, mm -hmm. I, I have not seen it as much marketing. It's definitely true. Like journalists know they've got their portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. And they know designers know I've got my my portfolio. They're going to show it when they when they go and 
So I don't think it is common in engineering. I think it's, it's certainly been very powerful for us. And I don't think it's common at all in, you know, customer support. Oh, like what is, no. what is the portfolio in customer support? Well, there actually is a portfolio to talk about in customer support and, and let's go ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, this has been fascinating. Uh, that is all the time we have for today, plus a little. Um, so I really yeah, want to thank. I want to. I want to thank Brian for for joining us. Um, I also want to thank everybody out there for listening, and I want to wish everybody the best of luck with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee. I'm rooting for you. <laughs>